The title of my message is I Am Who I Am. And before we get into this, I want to lay a little bit of um, groundwork. Last week we talked, one of the things that we have, we have, uh, we do, I do this online as well as we open our homes. Uh, our, our home we have uh, every Wednesday, we have twice uh, a month on Tuesdays, and we have a, a Sunday that, that we get together in person, and um, we get to fellowship, and um, the Sunday time we get to have uh, a meal, and we do communion, and all the other times, as Pastor Mark had commented about, uh, my wife makes treats that we get to have as well. Um, but this, when we're looking at I am who I am, I want us to think about, is our life different because God is with us? And not just with us from the standpoint of being in the same room as us. Because we understand that at least we have some sort of understanding that God is with us. But what does that mean? How does, does our life look any different because of that? How do we look at life? How do we treat life? How are, how are we walking through life because God is with us? And so the first few verses that I want to look at Second Chronicles, chapter 13, <clears throat> starting in verse 8. So now this is, this, these verses are speaking about a civil war. It's, it's speaking about the Israelites button heads with each other. Verse 8, it says, So now you intend to resist the kingdom of the Lord, through the sons of King David, being a great multitude and having with you the golden calves which Jeroboam made for gods for you. Have you not driven out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made for yourselves priests like the peoples of other lands? Whoever comes to consecrate themselves with a young bull and seven rams, even he may become a priest of what you are what are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the sons of Aaron are ministering to the Lord as priests, and the Levites attend to their work. Every morning and evening, they burn to the Lord burnt offerings and fragrant incense. And the showbread is set on the clean table and the golden lampstand with its lamps is ready to light every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken Him. Now here's verse 12. This is one of the key verses in this chunk. Now behold, God is with us at our head. And his priests 
with the signal trumpets to sound the alarm against you. O sons of Israel, <laughs> O sons of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you will not succeed. So just that alone, if I just pause there for a, uh, a moment, at the end of verse 12, it says, you're battling us. You're coming against us. But understand, God is with us. So now he says, why? He says, do not fight against the Lord God. He didn't say, do not fight against us. He said, I know where we are and who's with us. So if you battle us, you battle God. You battle God. So when we think about God being with us, is that our understanding of God with us? Or is He just somebody that is in the same room that we are? Is He just that person that is walking down the street in the same direction that we are? Because we could say that same thing. Yeah, God's with us. I seen Him. He was wearing a red shirt. Okay. Uh, but Jeroboam, verse 13, but Jeroboam had set an ambush to come from the rear so that Israel was in front of Judah and the ambush was behind them. When Judah turned around, behold, they were attacked both front and rear. So they cried to the Lord and the priests blew the trumpets. Then the men of Judah raised a war cry. And when the men of Judah raised the war cry, then it was that God routed Jeroboam. And all Israel before, whoever that is, Abijah, however that is, and Judah. When the sons of Israel fled before Judah, God gave them into their hand. Abijah, however, and his people defeated them with a great slaughter, so that 500,000 chosen men of Israel fell slain. Thus the sons of Israel were subdued at that time, and the sons of Judah conquered because they trusted in the Lord, the God of their fathers. God is with us. You really don't want to battle because you're battling God and you're not going to be successful. And then they still go at it. And in verse 15 then, it says they cried out to God. And then God went, all right, I'm turning the tables on this. Because Judah had about 400,000 men. Israel had 800,000 warriors. And yet, God was like, nope, that's not how this is going to work. And then the last, in verse 18, it says, 
they conquered because they trusted in the Lord. So with that being a, a beginning foundation, and I think Mark said that I had uh, 13 more minutes left, so we'll see just what we can do. <laughs> um, hours, well, see, that's it. You know, I, uh, when we meet at our home, um, I put a hard stop on it at, at an hour and a half. And when I teach online, it's as long as I go. Um, typically, it's been two hours. It started six years ago at about 20 minutes. And then it just increased more and more. And so we'll just see. We'll, we'll just see what today brings. But I'm getting, I'm almost to the point of saying, hello, my name is Todd O'Flanagan. And so, <laughs> and so that isn't too bad, I don't think, here. Here's a question for you, though. How do we define God? If you were to, ask, if you were to ask, be asked the question, who is God? Well, we can say He's the Creator. We could say, He's my defender. He's my Savior. You could say He's everything, but that is kind of a cop-out answer, because what does everything mean then? <laughs> right? I mean, because I've ran through that. It's like, all right, well, yep, nope, God is everything. God is my everything. Okay, well, what does that mean? Because if He's with us, Typically, we shy away from really putting an understanding as to what that means. And so now we say, He is my Savior. He is my provider. He is my protector. He is my strength. Okay, well, those are some good things. Check that off. I think, I think those would be attributes that we could connect with God, but does that fully describe who God is? Probably not. If you guys were to tell me some attributes of who you think God is, I'm guessing the list would be bigger than what I just did. Because God is in Valerie's life in a way that he's not in mine. And yet he's the same God. And so now we go, well, which one is right? They both are. They're, they're both right. Just like in the verses that uh, Pastor Mark had um, said earlier with, um, they, the, both of the people were blind. The one he spit on the ground. The other one, he just spit at them. Did it a different way. And yet it was still Jesus. Which I love. I mean, just about every time he heals somebody like that, he does it in a different way. So that way then we're not getting into this trap of, if you do this, it needs to be like this. Because now 
when you do that, you take out your understanding of who God is. Because Jesus comes to those people with an understanding of, of with their understanding of who God is and then expands it. Because if I, if I pray for Judy, right? So if I pray for Judy, the words that I speak for her are probably going to be different than when I pray for Jenny. Just because their relationship with God is different. And so we have this, we want to be right. I want to know who God is. So how do I define who God is? How, how, can, I, how can I not screw it up? Because I prefer not to screw it up. I mean, it, you know, I'd, I'd prefer that. And yet he says, it's okay. I am who I am. Were you able to put the verses? How about we put how about we look at that? In Exodus 3, starting in verse 9, he says, Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with uh, which the Egyptians are oppressing them. He's like, No, I'm hearing you. I'm 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 staying abreast of what's going on. And then, therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And that I should bring the sons of Egypt, uh, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So just with this, I'm pretty sure Moses knows who he is. I'm pretty sure at this point in his life he has an understanding, just like we all have an understanding of who we are today. And yet God's going, all right. Here's what I want you to do. So he's like, wait a minute. Who am I? Who am I to be able to do something like that? I don't know if you got this right, God. Did you pick the right person? Are you sure it was the right Moses? He says, who am I that I would do this? Okay, the next verse. And he said, certainly I will be with you. So if I just pause there, so now you you think about the other, the the verses in Second Chronicles, just with that. Well, no, the tribe of Judah is saying, "I know God is with us." So now, if you're going to battle us, you're really battling God. So now there's this understanding of identity with the tribe of Judah that says, "No, no, no, I know who I am as a tribe." I, I know, and God is with us, and what that means is you're not, it's not going to go well for you. Not because I'm all that, 
but because my God is. And it's because I know my God is. And so here, God says, no, Moses, come on. I will be with you. I'm not sending you out there all by yourself. I'm not sending you out just as you. No. I'm sending you out and I'm going with you to do this. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Okay, all right. So you're worried about screwing up God's word. You're worried about, I don't know, God, is this really you that you're telling me to do this? So God's like, all right, I'm telling you to do this. How about this? When you do it, then this will be your confirmation that it is me that you're not... You didn't make this up on your own because I'm telling you right now, you're not that smart. And that's, I mean, maybe he doesn't talk to you that way, but, you know, him and I have that kind of a relationship. He's like, really? Come on, think about this. Just walk through this process of what I'm having you do. You really think that you could come up with this? All right, fair enough. Let's get her done then. So, then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So now this is really important because the name, that word, that name, that's a big deal. When we look through, especially, um, I'm more familiar on the, um, on the Greek side of it, in the New Testament, when it says, pray in the name. I'm going with that's the, the same thing here because that name describes who the person is. That gives them the definition of their life. So, he says, when they ask me, what is his name? So, shall I say, well, the creator, the, the provider. What, what, what name am I putting with this word? So, who is it? Because we need definitions. We, we, need, we need to understand, who am I talking to? Am I talking to a father? Am I talking to a son? Am I talking to a friend? Am I talking to an acquaintance? Am I talking, who, who am I talking to? Because even if that's the same person, I get a different result. I get a different response depending on who I'm talking to. So Moses is like, well, I'd, I'd like to be prepared. So if they ask me, what is his name? God says to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> and he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So now when you first look at that, I don't know about you guys, but I am who I am does not answer the question. I mean, maybe it does for you, but I am who I am 
is there might be some doublespeak going on there. There's the, I want to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you. There is this, eh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't God, it'd be like, you know what? You figure it out. I don't know. I can't answer that. Well, I just, I, I am who I am. But instead, God says, no, 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 no. Get this. He says, I am who I am. All right. Like there's a time I'm like, um, God, I'm going to need a little help on this one. He's like, all right, here, let's walk through this. If I tell you that I am the creator, that's going to leave out too much of who I am because you're going to put me in that box that says I am the creator and it's not going to be enough of an explanation because you want to define who I am. You want to give me you want to have me have a definition of who I am. So that way then you can understand better because you want a definition. You, you want to say, well, if, if this is your title, then that means that you are whatever. If I give you a name... then I can better understand you. The problem is, is that when we do that with God, we miss out. Because I say, all right, God, this is who you are. And he says, that's who I am to you right now. Because that's what you need from me. But when you only understand that God is this, then you miss out of God being this. Because we say, well, well, if you're if you're this, you can't be that. Because those two don't go together. Those two are 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 not. I've never experienced somebody that is like this to me as well as this. And God's like, I am who I am. Hopefully it's getting, hopefully you guys are. Are getting this because this this is it has rocked me when when Pastor had uh, asked me, well, kind of voluntold me that uh, that I was going to do th- that I was going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was I don't remember the next day within within a very short amount of time, um, God had given me the path to go into this, I am who I am. Which to me was a little bit interesting because I was still putting together um, weekly topics. And so I've, I had this kind of rolling around in the back and still dealing with what are we going to talk about this week and what's, what's relevant and what's pertinent and what are we going to deal with. And so it's just like, that's such a big deal. Because we look at this and we say, God, I know you're with me, but God, I know that your word says that you're almighty, you're all-powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. 
All right. But what does that mean? God says, well, I am who I am. What happens if I don't need the power? I need the love. Typically, those don't go together. I'm gonna, if, I'm, if I have that authority and that power, I'm going to be in your life in an overbearing kind of a way. I'm going to lord it over you. I'm going to dictate this is what you do, and that's just... But then I miss out on His gentleness. Because my experience has been that those two don't go together. And God says, no, 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 no. I am who I am. So I am the authority and the power. I am also love and mercy and grace. That is who I am. And I am with you. Not just somebody that is sitting in a seat next to you because that was the one that was left. I am with you in your life in a way that positively changes your life. If we are in, if, if you've ever experienced being in uh, a crowd of people and them not caring for your presence all that much being there. That's an ugly kind of a deal. But all it takes is one more person to be next to you. Now, you've not, you haven't changed. You're still the same person. And yet, because somebody else is with you, maybe you have two people, one on each side of you, you change even though your environment hasn't because of who's with you. If we lock God into this box of, well, I know who God is. God is like this. God is this God. Well, then we miss out of who He ultimately is. When we can take God as the definition of I am who I am, and we go, all right, God, what does that mean? All right, I can show you. Yes. What do you need for me to be in this moment in your life? I need you to comfort me. I'm here for that. I need some answers. I need guidance. I need wisdom. Okay, I can do that. Second Chronicles. God, I need you as our protector. He says, let's do this. I am who I am. Okay. Should we get started now? Now this is actually going, going quite nice. So, I'm kind of impressed. So God describes Himself as I am who I am. 
He says, tell them that I am has sent me to you. Okay, that works. So now, how do you see yourself? When you as a Christian, what's your definition of Christian? What's the definition of you? When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you have that as a definition? I am who I am. And have that mean closer to what God is talking about? Probably not. Probably. It's probably I am who I am, and I base that off of my experiences that I've had in life. I am who I am because that's what other people have told me who I am. I am who I am because of these things. Doesn't that restrict and reduce, leave out a lot of who we really are? God says, well, here. Moses, if the people ask you my name, tell them I am sent you. Now for us today, do we look at people and go, well, he's tall. He's short. He's overweight. He's too skinny. He's balding. He's gray. I, re I resemble that comment. I, yeah, that person is loud. It's quiet. It's all part of I am who I am. That person is young. That person is old. The challenge is, is that when we go about that, the benchmark isn't God. Because God is the beginning and the end. And so now, if, if I look at Hunter, I can say, well, yeah, Hunter is young, but I'm using that because I'm old. Hunter is short. Well, when compared to me. But it's not who he is. In order for me to do that properly, I need to see him who God created him to be instead. It's not based on my experience in life. I've had experience in life. We all have. And as of today, we've all been 100% successful at making it through it. A little touch and go there for a while, for at least some of us. But we're here... But that experience doesn't dictate I am who I am. This is an experience. That's, that's it. It's something that we went through, either good or bad. Mark, why would you be telling me I have three minutes left? That hurts my heart, man.
<laughs> Ours, see? See, we'll just see what happens. Ugh. Whenever we look at somebody else, we say, well, you've had a horrible life. Oh, you've had a great life. I don't know of any other way to do that except for to compare it against somebody else's life or our own life. In John 7, 24, it says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So if we have righteous judgment, I can say, well, it is a righteous judgment if I look at Hunter and go, he's short. Because it's right. I'm judging him short because it's... It, no, that's not what this is saying. Because whose righteousness are we to have? Matthew 6.33 says, First seek His kingdom and His righteousness. Now when I live life, this righteousness that, that I am to judge with that righteousness, it's His righteousness that I judge with. Now whether He's short or tall is irrelevant. Because he is who he is. Hopefully this is helping you guys. Hopefully there's, it's, it's making sense. It's kind of coming together. So for us to see ourselves or to see other people, More like God says, all right, Moses, well, just tell him, you know, I am who I am. And have that not be an arrogant thing, not be a cocky thing, not be, not be something that is just so far out there that I'm going to answer your, your question with an answer that is really no answer. for us to be able to say, well, I, I am who I am. Some of the definitions, because we still want definitions, but we shouldn't hang our hat on them. It is some foundation that we can have for our life. So now when, when I look at somebody, when I interact with somebody, I can use some of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. As an understanding of how I walk through life and interact with people. I just got some highlights because, I mean, first, for the first John is just packed full of stuff. It starts out with, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. All right? So now with that, so we go, who am I? I am who I am. Well, who are you? I'm a child of God. Okay. What does that mean? We go, uh, you're not supposed to ask a follow-up question. <laughs> that should be enough. I'm a child of God. Deal with it. You figure it out. 
All right, well, you know, sometimes that's just kind of the answer. But we should add, we should know that our definition, our understanding of being a child of God is not limited to our current understanding. Because now when I interact with you, I get to have a different understanding of what being a child of God is when I interact with you. Because it's different. Your relationship with Him is different. So now I get to draw from you, and that's why it's so important to have fellowship. Because now I get to, instead of living in a box that says, this is what a child of God looks like. Now I get to interact with other people and go, oh, I never thought about being a child of God that looks like that. That's really interesting. That now expands my understanding of God's love for us. Now that gets to broaden my horizons as to how he interacts with his people. I don't go, really? You think you're a child of his? Man, I don't know. I don't know. Because in order for me to do that, I have to go back to judgment based on my experience. And that doesn't quite line up with God saying, well, I am who I am. So now when I interact with you, I can go, okay, God, I don't want to be deceived. It's all good. So I'm going to trust you, God, that you're going to, Valerie's prayer, you're going to open the doors that can be opened and close the doors that that should be shut. Here I am. Oh, see, I never thought about a child, one of God's children, looking like that, being like that. I can't imagine how much He loves you. That just opens my heart even more as to how much God so loved the world. Wow. I thought love looked like this and meant this and it was contained in in this little nice package with a pretty little bow and it was just, this was just how it was. And now that you're in my life, I go, all right, I might have to rethink that a little bit. Doesn't mean that I was wrong. It means that God is like, oh no, I want you to have a greater understanding of who I am. When I say I am who I am, you've reduced it and you you have not had this understanding of who I am. Because when we do that, then that helps us as well. Because then we don't walk around with guilt and shame and condemnation in our life for all of the stuff that we have in our life or have had in our life, either way. Because we can say, yep, I love God, God is, God is with me, but, yep, all good, I'm a child of God, as long as. No, that's not how that works. I'm a child of God. 
Not because of my goodness, but because He said so. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, I can't screw that up because He said it, not me. If I said it, I can screw it up. But when He says it, so in 1 John in chapter 3, it starts out, it says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. So now part of our identity, part of I am who I am, is a child of God. What, what, is, what, is, what does that kind of look like? Well, how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. So I'm a child of God. What does that mean? I don't know. God loves me. What does that mean? So many things. Let's forever be connected and talk about that because what does God's love to you mean? I'll share with you what my understanding and what my experience of God's love in my life, I can share that with you. You can share His love for you in your life and we can both gain a greater understanding of being loved by God and a child of His. So that's, that's a, a good start to chapter 3. One of the other things, says Jesus appeared in order to take away sin, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him sins. Alright, we could go down that road to really discuss that, but we're not going to. Instead, it, that's what it says. That's part of I am who I am. And when we don't judge on appearance, but we judge with righteous judgment, which is His righteousness, then sins are things that happen. They don't carry that power, that authority that the word sin does because we put a definition on the word sin. Well, the Bible says sin is death. So, all right, we're not going to go there yet. Okay, so we have Jesus appeared. So this is, this is how do I understand myself and interacting others. How, how can I live with this understanding of I am who I am? Well, it continues on and says, the ones who live in God's righteousness are righteous. What? What? Oh. All right. All right, I can do that. <laughs> we live based on our own righteousness. That's how we go through life. That that we if we do good, we're going to get good. If we do bad, we're going to get bad. And that it's all based on my performance. It's all based on how I, how I perform, how I live. Well, this one, this, this one here says, no, no, no. The ones who live in God's righteousness. 
come on, freedom. It's not my righteousness. It's his. He says, the ones who live in God's righteousness are righteous. So you could think that you're righteous because you've done all these good, wonderful things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just doesn't carry the weight. It just doesn't carry the authority. It doesn't carry the power of living in God's righteousness instead. You are not strong enough to screw up God's righteousness. It's just, it, it, if you think you are, that would be a place to talk to God about. Because it's His righteousness. When we think that we can screw up our righteousness, it's because it's our righteousness that we're walking in, not His. And all day long, you can screw that up. You can, you can create new ways to screw that up. And then you go through this crazy whirlwind of living and dying and just being good and being bad and just this whole messed up mindset. Well, you're just living in your own righteousness. And then you have the, the apparently the, the gall to go, no God, I'm going to give this righteousness to you. I was like, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't want your righteousness. I want you to have my righteousness. Now live your life based on that. Another thing in uh, 1 John is the Son of God appeared for this person purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God, so born-again believer, practices sin because God's seed is in him, is in them, and they cannot sin because they are born of God. That's just an interesting little path down that we need to help rewire our brains for. Because the focus shifts from ourselves my performance and how I am living, and it changes it to his life. And how did he live? And now we get to live from that perspective instead of our own. God says, I am who I am. Now we, as born-again believers, live from his righteousness, not our own. So then when we look at ourselves in the mirror, when we look at other people that we interact with, God tells us to look at them through what He has done for them, not what they're trying to do for themselves. We can help them if that is why we're in their life, to see things, our main, the main thing that we are to do is to reflect who God is. 
We're ambassadors. So now, I should be a reflection of the Father, of the Son, of Holy Spirit. Because it's Him who did it. In the bottom part of chapter 3, it says the only commandments that we're to follow says to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Jesus is enough. So I am enough. Because that helps us to get our whatever, both our good and our bad. Because our good is going to screw us up as well. You're going to say, well, I, I am all that. So I don't need God in my life in that area. Well, outside of Christ, both of them are garbage. But when I'm in Christ... Now it's all based on His performance. It's all based on how much God loves me and my, my ability to receive what He has for me. And then I get to interact with you with that same understanding. When I understand that Jesus is enough, so I am enough, well, if I am enough, then definitely you are. Then I get to interact with you based on that. And so now it's no longer based on, my, on, on the appearance of what's going on. doesn't mean I'm blind to it. It means that my response to your life isn't dictated by that because that's no longer the definition of who you are. Now I get to interact with you based on what God has done, what God has said. And sometimes it's just a matter of helping you to be able to see what God has said about you. So can we use God's lack of definition? I am who I am. Or rather, His fully encompassing definition to define Christians. Hopefully, it would be nice. We're not there yet. But we are a whole lot closer. When we can accept the fact that it's not by us, but it's by our belief in Him. Now I can show you grace and mean it. Because otherwise, if I show Valerie grace and I don't have the understanding of God's love, the best I can do is for control and manipulation. That's all that she's going to get from me, even if I disguise it as, I'm going to show you grace in this. Then it's only, the, the only result is control and manipulation. But when I understand the Father's love, for Valerie. Now when I show her grace, it's based on the Father's love for her. 
It's not based on me and me wanting to change her in some way. Because the Father will do that. Holy Spirit will work with her with whatever. My job is to love one another. In the the end of 1 John 3 where it says that um, the commandment is to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. The interesting thing that he pointed out to me this week is that it doesn't say to believe in Jesus. It says to believe in the name. To believe in the name of His Son. You're like, well, Todd, that's the, it's saying the same thing. No, it's not. When we see in the name, what that is is everything that is connected to all the feelings, all the emotions, all the experiences, everything that is connected to that name. So now when I fellowship with you, when I interact with you, you have more of an you have different understandings of Jesus than I do. Now that's just grown my understanding of in the name of Jesus. So now I can talk with Pastor Mark and, and we can talk about Jesus in our life. And now I've experienced through Pastor different aspects of who God is. So now when I am to believe in the name of His Son, I've just had my borders expanded. My knowledge of, of who Jesus is has expanded. So now when I call on His name, when I believe in His in what He has done, it is even a stronger foundation. Because before I had this understanding of who Jesus is, and now I have this understanding of who Jesus is, doesn't mean that the first one was wrong. It just means that it was limited. So now I get a greater understanding. And I only can get that when I'm not judging his experience with God. God will help me to protect me from wrong theology. One of the ways that He does that is to say, who gets the glory in this? Who is getting the spotlight shined on them? If it's man, well, you know, you can probably just kind of set that aside. But when it's God then you can go, okay, I think I'm going to add that to my understanding of who God is. Because now it's glorifying God. It's glorifying what He has done. It is highlighting Him rather than me, rather than man, rather than whoever. So I think we can have that as a definition and say, I am who I am and have that be the understanding of I am a child of God. All right, well, what does that mean? I am loved by my Father. All right, well, what does that mean? 
how do you explain love? There's so many ways that love is shown and love is expressed that each one of us has a different experience. I can treat you one way for love and it is wonderful and beautiful. If I treat you the same way for that love, it's like, no, that's just not how that works. So she can receive it as love and you can receive it as not. Still the same thing. And so we get to expand our understanding of this in the same way then that we say, no, I am who I am. Look at this. You know what's next? Hi, my name's Todd O'Flanagan. <laughs> it says wrapping up. This is crazy. This is, this is good. Hopefully you guys are getting something out of this. This is going to be one of the shorter ones I've given. <sighs> so hopefully you're, you're able to take this. Um, it has been my experience that uh, a lot of the things that, that I speak on, it typically takes uh, somebody a year or two to actually really grab a hold of this because it's just not, because I, for whatever reason, God has given me ways to look at Him and His Word differently than a lot of people. I mean, am I wrong? I, yes, yes, yes. It did, it did not take you a couple years, which is awesome. This is... How can we live this Christian life without our definition of who a Christian is? Who is a born-again believer? What does that look like? Because we still want, we, we, it's like, no, we, we need a definition. We need something to kind of grab a hold of. Colossians 3 speaks on that a little bit. I only did give Mark just these one that one chunk of verses because I still wasn't sure what we were gonna where I was gonna go. But in Colossians chapter three, starting in verse eight, when we read this with the understanding, with the thinking of who is a Christian, if I say I am who I am, and I am a born again believer. I am a Christian. You are a Christian. I'm a child of God. One who God loves. All right? How about giving me at least some idea of what it might look like? Because maybe one of these things is in your life. Maybe all of them are in your life. Doesn't mean that it's wrong or right. Colossians 3 speaks about what this born-again life can look like. It says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on 
the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now, if I just pause there at the end of 10. You have put on the new self. This is not like I'm going to put on my jacket and so I'm going to go over and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This put on is being engulfed by. Yeah. It is, it is this soaking into. There's no effort on my part. It's this, this big old vat of honey and I just fall backwards into it. Well, I don't have to struggle to, to get the, the honey all over. It just goes... No effort on my part. So that's this putting on. Because too often we can go, oh, I have to do that. Oh, I forgot to put on whatever. No. Yeah. So put on the new self. And this new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Is that your experience? No, that's his experience. Your life is now being able to be walked out, not based on what you've experienced in life, but what he has experienced. Now you get to interact with me, not based on what you have had in your life, but you get to interact with me based on what he has had in his life. That's a crazy cool deal. Because now you're less likely to judge. Because you're not using yourself as the baseline. Was that good? Was that bad? Should you have done more? Should you have done less? All of that is based on you. Well, here it says that no. You have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now, verse 11, it expands on just what I just said there. Verse 11 says, A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So now if you have this, thinking that you can do this, still under your own performance, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Because there is no way you're going to be able to get to that point. Because you're always still going to be comparing people to your experience. Well, here it says, no. The life that you now have... There's no distinction. Do you live a life where there is no distinction? If you're honest with yourself, I don't know that you can say yes, that I do. But he says, no, this new life, this new self, a renewal in which there is no distinction 
Why? Because Christ is all and in all. Now he becomes the benchmark. He's the one that now when we look at people and we interact with people, it's his experience, not our own. Verse 12 says, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other whatever uh, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Pause. Stop at the end of 13. We're not the foundation in those verses. That's how we can do it. That's why we can do it. Because now it's not me. I don't have to work on putting a heart of compassion to love people that really are unlovable. They should know better. No. I get to have that. Kindness. I can have kindness as long as... No. It's given to me as this new self that I am given. That's part of who I am, not because of me, because of my belief that Jesus is enough. Now with Jesus being enough, that means that I am enough. So now I get to have this heart of compassion, this kindness, this humility, gentleness, patience. Sometimes we have to struggle with a few of those to be able to go, oh, God, um... And we, when we do that, I love it because he, then he goes, whose strength are you trying to get that with? There you go. All right. I get it. He says, you know what? You want to know a better way? Use mine. When you have, you have full access, free and open access to me. Use mine. Because that's one of the free gifts because of what my Son has done for humanity. Verse 14, it says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Now there is no way you're doing that under your own strength. It just doesn't matter. I, you can try. But if I love you without that, it's only control and manipulation. Because I want you to stop doing something or start doing something. And typically it's I want you to look more like me so that I can accept you as somebody that is okay. God's like, no, no, no. Let's back this up. Oh yeah, there is no distinction. Uh, 
All right. The perfect bond of unity. And verse 15, the last verse that I'm going to read here, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So now as we go and we live this life called Christianity that we've labeled, hopefully our definition has increased or we can increase it to understand that the label of being a Christian, being a born-again believer is I am who I am. Because too often we put everything in a box. Well, what do you call it? What's the name of it? What's this? What's that? Because I know that if you say this, that this is what it is. But in Christianity, God says, no, 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 no. Don't put me in a box. Because I am who I am. I am Love. Thank you.